I'm Molly Marcella, your host of This Week in Moab this evening. We're about to launch into a very special discussion. It's all about how to be a bystander in your life, in our community. And we have two very special guests in studio with me um, to talk about it. Hello, guys. Would you mind introducing yourselves? Yes. Um, my name is Ariel Atkins. I am the Director of Prevention and Education at Sea Haven. And we are up here today because it is uh, October is Domestic Violence Awareness Month. Um, and we'll be hosting a few events. We've already had a few. Today, I'm here uh, to talk about, yeah, becoming an active bystander. Just uh, it's good information. I think we've all been in situations where something didn't feel quite right. Um, we didn't step in or we maybe did and it didn't turn out quite right. Mm-hmm. So we're just going to kind of go over some tools for people to have in the event, uh, in the most likely event that they come come across a situation like that in the future. We do provide this training free for workplaces. So if you're listening on the air and you want more, uh, you can reach out to Seek Haven and schedule a training. So I'm going to turn this over to Raquel. Yes, hello. I am Raquel, and I am the Director of Client Services at Seek Haven. Um, so yeah, I get to see a lot of, oversee a lot of the outreach um, for Seek Haven. Um, yeah, and I would just going to give you guys kind of a little gist of who Seek Haven is and some services we provide. Um, so we do provide services to um, victims of domestic abuse and sexual abuse. We have uh, counseling services over the life t- lifespan, um, and we also have outreach services, and we also we do have an emergency shelter as well. Um, a really important thing is is we have a twenty four hour hotline, um, so call, people can call that at all time, and someone will answer um, our crisis hotline, and that is four three five. Two five nine two 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 nine. Also, um, just a trigger warning for everybody listening. You know, we are going to be talking about domestic abuse and sexual abuse. So, if those things trigger you and you do need someone to talk to, um, you can always call our hotline. Raquel and Ariel, thank you so much for being here. I'm so excited to delve into this conversation. Um, where do you want to start? Yeah. So, um, with domestic abuse, one in three women and one in four men will experience domestic abuse. Um, And that is higher than the national average in Utah. How did these numbers get tracked? I'm assuming from organizations like ours, as well as, um, you know, police departments and such that would respond to these calls. Um, But we do know for certain that uh, it's Mm -hmm. underreported, especially among men. There's a pretty high stigma um, that, you know, is attached to some of these things. And so... um, yeah, the numbers are probably higher. You know, I see that um, in some information you provided me that anyone can experience sexual harassment or violence, right? Regardless of, you know, their identities, age, experience. Is that right? Yeah. Yeah. Age, race, gender, anyone can experience that. But before we dig into that, I just wanted to give a few definitions real quick, just to make sure we're all on the same page when we're talking about these things. So, Um, harassment is any unwanted behavior. It can be physical, verbal, or suggested that makes a reasonable person feel uncomfortable, humiliated, or mentally distressed. Violence and harm can be physical, emotional, social, or mental harm to a person, and it might not always be intentional. 
And finally, uh, bystander intervention is an upstream approach to violence-free communities. It can occur before, during, or after a person witnesses violence, harm, or harassment of another person, group, or community. So how about we just jump into a scenario, and then as we start talking about how you might respond, I can kind of throw in some um, tools and tips. So one of the scenarios is you're at a local bar. You notice a fellow bargoer putting an arm around another person and flirting with them. The person receiving the attention seems quite intoxicated and seems to be alone. Have you ever seen that happen, Molly? I have seen that happen. <laughs> I want to say, like, I can count on two hands the amount of time that I have seen that happen. In fact, um, you know, I was just talking about this with a friend the other day about a party, you know, a few years ago right here in Moab. Just someone getting unwanted attention um, and we didn't know quite what to do. Well, it can be really tough. Um, and like Raquel and I were talking earlier about this, but um, sometimes the way you're raised too is like not to get into other people's business. But you can definitely make a difference um, when it comes to safety for other people. One of the things that I, um, I, I teach in our trainings and want everyone to know is there's, there's uh, the five Ds. Delegate, a helper. Uh, so that would look like, you know, grabbing a bartender maybe and saying, hey, um, do you know, like, do you know this person? Mm -hmm. are, are they frequent here? Is that person alone? You know, some delegating helper um, mm -hmm. so that you don't have to say something is definitely mm -hmm. something you can do. Distract. So you could like spill your drink and say, oh gosh, you know, right. can you, can, hey, hey, can you come help me clean this up? You know, so, something to just sort of break the, right. the, the, the mood. Right. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, direct action. Um, that one's definitely, um, a little bit harder, I think for people, but, um, if it, if the situation feels safe, you know, you mm -hmm. could say something to that person directly. Um, this is where like humor can come in. Mm -hmm. So you could say like, Hey, you want to put your arm around me or like, you know, something funny. Right. Um, or just, you could even say, Hey, I noticed, uh, she looks pretty uncomfortable. What do you, what do you, what do you, what you up to? Direct action is, t is tough for me. Right. So I'm more resonating with delegate and distract so far. Yes. I could definitely see myself like spilling a drink over everyone <laughs> and <laughs> using that as a tactic. Yeah. Well, it, it depends on the person. Right. It depends on the power dynamics. Right. And it depends on the situation. Mm -hmm. I mean, you're, it's why there's like five of them. Right. So you can be like, okay, which is good for this situation? Sure. Um, another thing would be document. You know, uh, we all have cell phones. Mm -hmm. a, a little caveat on documentation. Um, it's not something you want to like post on social media, but it might be something where you could record it mm -hmm. and like save it until, you know, a, a time when you m maybe want to give it to the person or law enforcement. But you, ideally, you'd be getting the person who's um, getting that attention sure. afterwards. They're like, hey, I got a video of that guy or I got uh, their license plate. Mm -hmm. uh, do you want that information? I'm mm -hmm. not going to do anything with it without your permission. Um, so that's a one way to document. Um, you can just delay and check in like – um, you know, maybe that person goes and uses the restroom and mm. on the way to the restroom, you could say, Hey, Hey, I noticed that person was talking to you and touching your body. Does that feel comfortable for you? Are you, do you need anything? Um, so you mm. can always check in with people after the fact. Um, so I have distract, direct action, document, delegate a helper and delay and check in. 
All right. So these are the five D's um, that could help you in that moment. Um, a very common moment. The scenario we're talking about is that you're at a local bar. You notice a fellow bar go- goer putting an arm around another person and flirting with them. And that person getting the attention just seems to, seems to be alone and quite intoxicated. So delegate, distract, direct action, document, delay. Um, again, we're speaking with um, two team members from CK Family Crisis and Resource Center, Ariel, Director of Prevention and Education, and Raquel, Director of Client Services. Anything else for that particular scenario that you might recommend? I think, yeah, just recognizing like, you know, that delay and check-in can always be like really helpful because you don't want to escalate a situation, right? Right. Like you don't want that other person to like notice that you're noticing this. Um, And so I think that like making sure that you're, you're checking in in that as well just like you don't want to escalate the situation Mm -hmm. so like making sure that you're checking in on that on that person later can be really helpful should we do another scenario yes so you're in a parking lot outside a store when you notice a couple arguing outside their vehicle the arguing escalates and the driver throws some luggage out of the car and speeds away so we were talking about this because we, we, we get a lot of visitors to Moab and uh, traveling can be stressful. Mm-hmm. Um, if you're traveling with a friend or a partner, it, you know, you're suddenly in new situations. Mm-hmm. Sometimes that can take um, its toll on, on your friendship or relationship. Um, so in this situation, you, you know, and, and actually in all these situations, mm-hmm. it's unlikely that you'll have the whole story, but you know, deciding, okay, is this situation safe for me? Because just like you do in like CPR, Mm -hmm. you don't want to jump into a situation where you're going to become unsafe yourself. So you want to make sure the situation is safe. Mm -hmm. In this situation, it's kind of helpful because um, the aggressor has left, but it could probably be assumed that this person now is (laughs) without a ride. Uh, They're probably without resources. Um, and so, Raquel, um, how could somebody specifically in the situation as a bystander uh, give, give, a, give a resource to these folks? Yeah, absolutely. That's a good question. I think, you know, especially if like us locals, you know, we're, we're, we see something like this, someone is here and they don't know the community at mm-hmm. all. They don't know where to go. They, they have no idea. So I would think like, is this going to be my responsibility? You know what I mean? Like, how am I going to help this person? Um, but also there's like resources to be able to say like, Hey, like I saw this happening. I see by you're by yourself. Like, can I get you to see Kevin where they can like help you get a hotel mm-hmm. or get you back to where you're, you know, wherever you're traveling to. Um, I think making sure that people know that that they, we have those resources is really important. Um, we can definitely help people. Okay, so if I'm using my tools correctly, that would be checking in. I think, too, just um, even saying, hey, I just witnessed what happened. Um, I I just want to make sure you're safe and okay. Um, There's a local number. I'm going to write it down for you. Mm -hmm. I'm happy to help connect you to them now if you think that's something you might want. Or here's the number if, if, you know, because it can, the moments can be heated. And sometimes I don't think people are always ready to reach out for help. Um, But there's a, there's four R's. They are, let's see. um, Recognize. Yes. Thank you. Respond. Yes. Refer. 
mm-hmm. restore and re-engage. Correct. Thank you. So so you recognized that there was an argument. Your response was to make sure the scene was safe and then to give the person a referral. Mm-hmm. Um, and restore and re-engage, that's sort of like a broader concept of like, um, maybe you talk about it with a friend. You say, hey, I, I saw this happen the other day. I referred the person to see Caven. How can we make this like a safer community for future travelers? So the, the, the final R is a bit more of like future conversations. But yeah, the recognize, respond, refer people is really um, kind of the best you can do in a lot of circumstances. Um, most of us aren't therapists or police officers, mm-hmm. but anybody can, can be a bystander and do the recognize, re- respond, and refer I'm hoping you can talk about, and maybe we can get into this in a different scenario, but like what a bystander is and what a bystander is not. Before I took this training, like I just thought a bystander was someone who had to take immediate action to intervene, but that's not necessarily the case. Correct. Yeah. I think one of the the things to think about is that um, we're we're often put in uncomfortable situations and that doesn't mean they're unsafe. Mm. And so I think checking in with yourself and being like, is this uncomfortable mm-hmm. <laughs> or is this unsafe? And mm-hmm. being like, okay, this is just, this is really uncomfortable for mm-hmm. me, but something needs to be done. Mm-hmm. Um, and once we decide that um, a bystander is there to provide support, resources, solidarity, information, and honesty. Well, I'll have Raquel talk about sort of how to support somebody because she's um, one of our advocates and they do a lot of listening and it's, it's similar. Yeah. I think you said it, like listening and like making sure that you're you're just like there to support somebody mm-hmm. um, is like the most important part. And I think knowing those resources and giving those resources is something that's really important. Just like really being a listening ear and making sure that they they know that like you support them and that you're there and you're here to help them. You know, no advice really needs given. I think I think I know for me at least uh, it's hard not to sometimes give advice, but. Um, you know, powerful statements are, I hear you. I saw that you deserve safety. Uh, I believe you. I'm going to help you find help. Mm-hmm. You're, you're in charge of what you want to do next. Um, those are kind of like empowering statements, especially for somebody who might be experiencing violence. Um, especially in like a partnership where it's a domestic or, um, intimate partner violence mm-hmm. situation. It's that's um, potentially not the first time that they're experiencing that. So giving them those sort of like empowering statements can be really helpful. And as you said, Raquel, just like listening. Yeah, because right? they've they've had all their power, most likely had all their power taken away from them. Mm-hmm. So like giving that back to them is it's so powerful, and like they need that. As you said, like most of us are not trained therapists, but just those powerful statements to affirm them is mm-hmm. really important. Can be really important in the moment. Mm-hmm. Do you want to do another scenario? Okay, so since it is Domestic Violence Awareness Month, we did add in some some things specific to that. Um, so your two neighbors are frequently yelling and fighting. One night it seems worse than normal. What do you do? Uh, I've actually been in this situation. Um, I and me and my roommates did not know, quite honestly. We had no idea. We discussed it over and over again, and I wish I had these tools. Take us through, like, what we could have done in that moment or later. Yeah, this is a tough situation. I I feel like I've been in it as well. 
And it's, it's a tough one because we're all responsible for making our communities safe. Mm-hmm. And that's the ultimate goal is we want everyone to be safe. So if, if you're concerned about an immediate safety danger, you know, law enforcement is probably who you need to contact. Um, it's probably not really a safe situation for you to get involved, um, especially if it's like they're, they're on their property, they're in their home. You know, mm-hmm. this is not a public space. Mm-hmm. Um, right. I, I think calling law enforcement to get involved um, is probably a good call. And, just, and, and something to, to note is they do have um, victim advocates that they work with, and then they also typically would refer and work with Sea Haven, and, and um, Raquel could speak a little bit more to like what that process looks like. Yeah, what does that process look like? Yeah, so um, again, like uh, Ariel was saying, the police department actually has two separate victims advocates um, that are trained in like de-escalation and domestic violence. Um, so they actually would respond to something like that to the situation if the cops were called and it was a domestic dispute. And they can help like de-escalate that situation. They're here to support either person. And I think that's something to also know is that like this could be a co-combative situation where, you know, there's not one primary aggressor that mm. that both people are, th- are the primary aggressors. And then helping them recognize that their services for both of them, not just one person, mm. you know, mm-hmm. you've got you've got a couple who's in a partnership they both deserve that help mm-hmm. um, and they can both get help at Sea Caven. Um, and that would be, you would have two separate advocates because we want to make sure that their confidentiality is, is very, it's very important to us. And in this situation, because, you know, I'm aware that Sea Caven is here. I mean, even calling Sea Caven for advice, is that open to yeah. folks as well? We have people do that, that call right. or they don't know and they just right. need some guidance. The scenario is that two neighbors of yours are frequently yelling and fighting. One night it seems worse than normal. What do you do? Anything else to add? I think I would add just for people to know that this is it is a really hard scenario. Um, but also like statistically, it takes somebody at least seven times to leave an abusive relationship. Mm-hmm. So I think people see like, oh, why, why aren't they leaving? Why can't we get them out of this situation? But mm-hmm. it can take somebody seven times to leave an abusive situation. And a bystander like a neighbor could be important in that. Yeah. You know, victims safety plan around these kinds of situations and their neighbor might be part of their safety plan. Mm-hmm. They may have told their neighbor, hey, like, mm-hmm. if you see my lights flashing twice, like, call the police or like come to my home and knock or you know there's just certain things that they could it's a huge part of that as well we're speaking with Raquel and Ariel from Sea Haven Family Crisis and Resource Center. Thank you all so much for being here to walk us through a few scenarios, real life scenarios actually that um, people have experienced and that come up in our community. Scenarios that you can be an active bystander. Where do you want to take us next? You frequent a nearby park with your children and regularly see two young children there unsupervised. These two kiddos are often not dressed appropriately for the weather and look a little bit unkempt. So when we said we serve people of all ages, um, kids can absolutely experience domestic violence. And something important for every listener to know is that in the state of Utah, if you are an adult, you are a mandated reporter. So if you suspect child abuse or neglect, you do need to contact DCFS 
And and we were talking about this situation. This is really tough. Um, yeah, because it's like, it's like, well, what do you do? Like, do is, is it fine? Like, maybe kids are being kids. Right. I mean, I think especially in Moab, um, there's a lot of kids that have a lot of autonomy. Like, we're mm-hmm. a small town. Going right, to the yeah. park as a little kid is not a crime. So, again... You know, it's not your job to be certain of something. But if you are pretty concerned, you know, our gut our gut does usually point us in the right di- direction. If you're feeling pretty concerned, it's probably not the worst idea to do something about it. Um, this this situation's a little tricky because um, it's sort of like, who do you call? Um, law enforcement is one option. Um, if you maybe had... Uh, relationship with the school district, you could ask the kids, you know, hey, what's your names? And and maybe reach out to the school and say, hey, I've been just noticing these kids. Do they happen to go to school there? Like, I want you to have this information. Because it might be information that the school um, would then say like, oh, okay, we maybe have our own concerns and, mm-hmm. and they could do a report. Mm-hmm. Um, but the reason we brought this up is because um, neglect is neglect of an elder, neglect of uh, a child, and a neglect of somebody who, like, has a disability can be, um, it's it's our job as citizens to report that if we suspect abuse or neglect. I think it's good to add, you know, um, Ariel said, you know, we work with everyone of all age. Mm -hmm. Um, So we do work with youth. Obviously, we have to have parental consent to do that. Mm-hmm. So I think that's just something to note. But like Ariel said, kids can be, you know, in domestic vi- domestic abuse as well. And they could also just be like a secondary victim. So they're they're experiencing through that maybe seeing their parents. Um, and it's, again, it's really important that we can recognize and maybe help if we're seeing these things. So the situation is that you frequent a nearby park with your kids and then regularly see two other kids. They're unsupervised and the kiddos are not often dressed appropriately for the weather and look a bit unkempt. One, Ariel, you suggested maybe contacting the school district. You could also contact law enforcement. Again, you could contact Sea Cabin. Um, anything else that might be good to do in this scenario if your gut is telling you that something, something might be a little bit up? I think one of the biggest things with kids is just not to ask super leading questions. Mm. Like you don't want to assume something's happening and say that out loud to them. You just kind of want to ask them like, hey, what's your name? How's it going? Is your family around? Or, Mm -hmm. oh, I notice I see you here a lot. Um, Did you walk from close by or, Mm -hmm. you know, but I don't think you want to like lean too much into like, oh, do you come here all the time and Mm, your parents are never home? It's like a a judgmental tone. Let's go to another scenario. Great. So this one is one we use in our bystander training. So you notice your coworker carrying a heavy box into the office. A fellow coworker grabs the box from them and says, I'll carry that. So your coworker grabs the box from your other coworker, just Mm -hmm. grabs Mm -hmm. it Mm -hmm. and says, I got it. Mm-hmm. Okay, that's the scenario. And I like to give sort of like nuanced things where it's not like so egregious that we're all like, oh my gosh, this must stop. <laughs> You're kind of like, oh, that didn't seem quite right. Um, and, and really what this goes back to is just like basic everyday consent. Mm-hmm. Um, that person didn't ask. Maybe, the per- maybe your coworker is psyched that they mm-hmm. grabbed it. Oh, that was so heavy. Thank you. Maybe they're like, I totally had that. And you, like, 
got right. in my personal space. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's good to not assume things that other people are feeling. Sure. That's great advice in general. <laughs> <laughs> and it's it's good to just practice consent when you can. Um, and I think that's like kind of a buzzword, but basically what it means is that it is, a, we have a, an acronym. Mm-hmm. So if you think of French fries, you can think of consent fries. Um, and the acronym is the consent is freely given. So no coercion happening. It's reversible. So one day you might be really happy to have your coworker help you with a box. And the next day you might not want them to do that anymore. So it's reversible. It's informed. Um, you know, if your coworker's like, Hey, can I, can I grab that box for you? And you say yes. Mm-hmm. Um, but then they like grab your purse from you. They'd be <laughs> like, um, that, that's mm-hmm. not my, the, the box I was carrying. Mm-hmm. Um, it should be enthusiastic. Mm-hmm. You know, I think we've all asked somebody something and they respond in a way that their words don't line up with their body language. That's an important thing to pay attention to. And it should be specific. Like, hey, can I have a bite of your dinner? Can I actually have one French fry? <laughs> you know? <laughs> right. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think we can all practice that mm-hmm. in our friendships, in our relationships. Mm-hmm. Um, I think oftentimes people think of consent only in the context of sex, but it is something that can right. start so early in every relationship. Yeah, I think it's a really important thing to also kind of go back on what we've talked about before. Is like that consent can be so empowering for people. So it's like really empowering to even ask like, hey, do you mind if I touch your shoulder? Or like, can I hold the door for you? Mm-hmm. Or things like that are really important to remember. And this doesn't have to be just a sexual scenario. As you said, this could be everyday, uh, everyday stuff. Um, in this scenario... I'm a bystander in this situation. What do I do, if anything? There is no right or wrong answer. So maybe you're really frustrated that mm-hmm. day and you're like, hey, they can carry that. But you you could probably delay and check in okay. with both people. That's right. the thing is like right. uh, you could delay and check in with the perceived perpetrator. You could say, hey, I noticed you grabbed that box earlier from so-and-so. Mm-hmm. You know, they look like they had it. Mm -hmm. You could probably just ask and they might appreciate that more. Mm -hmm. Or you could even check in with the other person. Did you mind them grabbing that box from you? Maybe like, oh yeah, it was so heavy. So yeah, don't make assumptions, check Mm -hmm. in. You know, also if it's like a pattern, maybe start like writing it down. So-and-so grabbed the box from so-and-so. Day, they grabbed their purse. Or, you know, like Mm -hmm. you can start to document stuff because Mm -hmm. pattern behavior can become problematic. Yeah, and delay and check in and then support the person. You know, like you were saying, ask them, like, was that okay that they did that? Mm -hmm. And maybe they're like, no, but like, I don't know how to tell them that I don't like that or that Mm -hmm. I'm uncomfortable when they do that. And say like, can I support you? Like, is would it be okay if I had that conversation? That support could be really helpful because I know like it it can be hard to have those conversations with people to be like, I don't like that you do that, you know? So having that support person be like, hey, that person like doesn't like that. Can you ask when you're doing those things? Yeah, Yeah, especially if you're feeling like singled out in some way where like you're the only person that this is happening to, you might need a support person um, to speak up so you don't have to do that emotional labor. You know, I mean, it's a little hard with this particular situation, but just let's say like you had a a person on your staff that loved hugs Uh and you had somebody on your staff who you could tell really didn't like them. Yeah. Maybe in a staff meeting, you know, they say, Hey, just a reminder, like we have some huggers here and we have some non huggers here. Mm -hmm. So in our organization, we're just going to ask, ask first. 
So you're not like singling somebody out, but you're making this like small change in your organization. Let's do one more scenario. Okay, so you're working in the service industry and there's a large film company in town eating at your establishment. Mm. You're instructed by management to ensure that they have a good time. They're VIPs after all. You witness one of the members of the group, who happens to be quite famous, state what you recognize as a sexist comment to a coworker. Okay, this is complicated. All right, you are in the service industry. Um, there's literally a celebrity in the room, right? That you are, you're making sure that they're having a good time. All their needs are taken care of. And one of the celebrities in their group says something sexist to one of your coworkers. Ah, there's a lot in this one. So first of all, what is difficult about There's a lot of risk factors for a lot of jobs here in Moab for harassment. So if your wages are attached to your service, that's tough. It's a power dynamic, right? (laughs) Well, and that's the theme to all of this. Violence happens because of a power dynamic. Mm -hmm. And in this one, it's really obvious, Mm -hmm. right? The power dynamic. And some people have a supportive work environment and some people don't have Mm -hmm. a supportive work environment. Um, so you're standing there, you're watching this happen. I personally probably wouldn't go up to the famous person and say something right away, (laughs) but I would probably delay and check in. Mm -hmm. So I would say, whoa, that was off handed or whatever. Like what, what could I, I how did that make you feel? Are you still comfortable serving these people? What, Mm -hmm. What can I do to help? I want to, most of these are not gendered because it can happen to anyone, Mm -hmm. but let's just say the star was Mm -hmm. a female and they had said a sexist comment to a male server. Well, maybe changing the power dynamic with like a female server could Mm -hmm. shift that. Maybe they wouldn't make a sexist comment towards another female. Um, Maybe getting a manager involved. um, If you have a supportive manager and they could say like, oh, I'm here, I'm, I'm the manager here's your, here's your food or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it could be something as simple as that, but yeah, it's, it's, it's tricky. I think checking in with people, seeing how they felt about it, they might be like, I've been in this industry a long time. It doesn't really bother yeah. me. Mm-hmm. I'm psyched to get this tip. Please don't step in. <laughs> but asking the person what they need, if they were comfortable, because really it's, it's harassment if they're feeling uncomfortable. Right. They might think that joke is hilarious. You yeah. might start joking back. So delaying and checking in. This one is tough because as we were talking about, all of these scenarios relate to some sort of power dynamic. But in the service industry, as we are saying in particular, you know, I feel like there can be an attitude of like, this is just like what the job comes with. Mm-hmm. It shouldn't be like that. You all provide this training to other workplaces in our community, outdoor guiding companies, service industry. How do you approach this? Because this is like a systems issue. Right. So I think it's really important to have everyone in the in the room. So owners, managers, first-year staff, long-term right. staff, um, because it, it's a culture shift. And so what we do is we, we kind of give out all the tools and then we, we spend a lot of time going over scenarios together. And while it's fun to have us three talking about it yeah. and they're like hypothetical, um, the scenarios, when you're talking about it with your coworkers, it's like a facilitated space to really say to your coworkers how you want them to show up. Yeah. And that might be like four or five staff people saying to their manager, like, hey, when there's a really nasty customer, what's the 
what are you going to do about it? So there does need to be a bit of like policy change and like higher up support. Mm -hmm. But even when that doesn't totally exist, um, knowing how to be a better bystander for your coworkers, like you can create that culture. Sure. There's this whole idea of the escalation of violence. Mm -hmm. And I always use um, the idea of dehydration because we all live here in the desert. We, (laughs) We know. We know what happens when we don't drink enough water. The first sign of dehydration might be that like your lips are a little dry or you haven't used the bathroom in a while or you have a little bit of a headache and if you don't pay attention to those small things and go drink some water the next thing would be like oh maybe you start vomiting you know or it could get very serious and become life-threatening and so I think that's something to um, when you're asking yourself like is this even a big deal yeah should I even say something Mm -hmm. I think you have to think that Okay, especially like in a workplace. Mm-hmm. If you have a coworker who's always doing like raunchy jokes that make people feel uncomfortable, I mean, that's the key, right? Yeah. If everyone's enjoying it, mm-hmm. okay. Mm-hmm. But if there's one person who's not, mm-hmm. um, that's harassment. And so if nobody ever says something like, hey, those jokes are not appropriate for the workplace, what is that person then going to do? You're kind of saying, hey, that's that behavior is okay. And that person might, do something more egregious Mm -hmm. like they might start actually physically touching people Mm -hmm. um and it could go into you know something that becomes life-threatening and so I think we do have to ask ourselves like when we feel like we might be making too big of a deal of something is are we setting the stage for an escalation of violence Mm, these quote-unquote small comments can they actually lead to more serious things? So Raquel, remind us the hotline for Seek Haven in case anyone needs it. Yeah, absolutely. So again, we're just talking about really hard things, um, domestic abuse, sexual abuse. So you can reach our hotline at 435-259-2229. Now, these scenarios in this bystander training, bystander intervention training, this is something that Seek Haven does offer to our community for free. I want to remind folks about that. I love it. I love <laughs> doing trainings with workplaces because uh-huh. these conversations like, kind of become magical. People mm-hmm. really, I think, get a lot out of it. And um, I think sometimes a lot of people want to have these tough, tough conversations, but they need the facilitation. And so we provide yeah. that. And, you know, like when we were just talking about like your workplace or like maybe you're in the service industry, I like how you said, even if you're not getting this from management, you can create a safer space among your coworkers. So ideally it would be accepted at the top of your, you know, um, workplace. But if it isn't, you know, you can build a coalition and supportive network among the people you work with. Absolutely. All right, let's do another one. Okay, so you're at the grocery store. A grocery store employee is bent over restocking the shelves, and you notice two customers gawking behind them. Um, this is tough because I'm, I'm assuming in this situation you don't know either party. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and I am going to give you a, a quick acronym. Describe how these people who are gawking could respond if you approach them. It's called DARVO, and it's a, a term coined by Dr. Jennifer Freyd. And DARVO refers to the reaction of a perpetrator when basically they're called out for the harm they're causing and you're trying to hold them accountable for their behavior. So this probably will sound familiar mm-hmm. <laughs> to folks, but basically DARVO stands for they deny, they attack, they reverse the victim and offender. 
So they say, oh, I was looking at the floor. Who are you? You know, they attack you. Mm-hmm. They attack the whistleblower. And then they they somehow turn it around to be like, well, I'm the victim mm-hmm. in this. Yes. And so Darvo is very common. It seems like immediate defensiveness and then mixed with going on the attack. I'm not the problem. You're the problem. Yes. Mm-hmm. So we can't really stop anyone from having that reaction but right. it's helpful helpful to know like okay i'm gonna i'm gonna say something mm-hmm. and this is probably the response i'm gonna get and so you're just aware and you're prepared mm-hmm. for it and you can be like oh mm-hmm. i'm being darvoed right now <laughs> um which i think can just help you be prepared mm-hmm. for what to expect so in this particular situation you know i think like maybe a distraction would be good <laughs> maybe mm-hmm. you like drop a drop a can on the ground or a lot of our distraction (laughs) scenarios are dropping things i know they are that is distracting right right (laughs) or you could like maybe even Uh go up to the person bending over and say like hey could you help me find something so that Mm -hmm. they like stand up and the situation changes Mm -hmm. or maybe act oblivious to the the two gawkers and just say like hey did you see that solar eclipse the other day (laughs) you know you could talk to them Mm -hmm. in a way that's not calling them out but Mm -hmm. just shifting the Mm -hmm. experience i mean you could go tell a manager if you were really concerned about it Mm -hmm. um like hey there's this is happening in your store or whatever Mm -hmm. um so again like there's no right or wrong answer but i think the point is like if you see something like that happening are you gonna do anything about it I think mm-hmm. a lot of us walk away, and that's okay. doesn't mean you're a bad person. It just isn't helping contribute to a safer community. If you, you know, choose, like, direct action in that moment, and, and direct action in any of these like, scenarios, are you expecting folks to darvo all the time? Because direct action might, you know, be preferred for some people. Mm-hmm. They see something and they say something immediately. It comes okay. out of their mouth. I think if I, like thinking about something like that, like the first thing that comes to my mind if I like saw something like that, that mm-hmm. like maybe I would walk up to somebody and be like, that was gawking and be like, hey, like, is there something like that you're looking for? You know, like make sure they know that I see them and like mm-hmm. taking that direct action. And maybe they're like, oh shoot, like somebody saw me doing this. I'm sure. going to like, get out of here (laughs) right direct action can actually be just a look i think you know like we know mom eyes where like your mom looks at you and and they don't have to say anything and you're just like "Uh uh-oh i'm in trouble (laughs) so i think if you you could give someone a look and they're like oh shoot somebody noticed me doing that yeah they witnessed you or observed you right yeah Mm -hmm. Um, so it doesn't always have to be spoken they go stand in front of them so they can't even see the other person I mean, I would love love to be this bold at the grocery store. Right. I really would. Right. The tools are delegate, distract, direct action, document, delay. We're speaking with Ariel and Raquel from Sea Haven. They're going through a few real-life actual scenarios to help us be bystanders in our community to make it safer. Do you want to hit up another scenario? I have a lot related to work because, you know, there's a lot of situations where there's not a bystander. Like it's you and another person. Yeah. Um, And so I think kind of like in public, in the workforce is where you're more likely to be like the third person. All right. So you're camping with a group of friends. One of your friends is preoccupied with their 
phone and you worry that they might be peeping and taking pictures of fellow campers. This is your friend Mm -hmm. who is preoccupied with their phone and it seems like they're just taking pictures of other, other campers around you. Correct. So, you know, the last one we did, the last scenario, they were strangers. In this situation, let's just assume that you don't know the people that they're taking pictures of, but you do know your friend, right? So kind of what is the power dynamic here? Okay, how well how well do you know I, your friend? I know. <laughs> yeah. It depends, right? You might be really comfortable with them mm-hmm. and have kind of like maybe uh, maybe they're your 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 brother. You're their older sister and you're like, "What are you doing?" But maybe maybe you're kind of new friends and you you don't really feel comfortable mm-hmm. taking that direct action. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you might say something like, "What you taking photos of over there?" Mm-hmm. You know, maybe it's a delay in check-in. Maybe after a few days of thinking about it, you're like, "Hey, you know, while we were camping the other day, I I just felt like maybe you were taking photos of people. That seemed really weird to me. Yeah. Do you want to talk about it? Instead of calling them out, you're kind of calling them in to have a conversation right. and understand more. Instead of like accusing them right. of doing something because you don't know what they were doing. You, right. It just something seemed a little odd about it or off about it. I think if with it, when it's our friends too, we, we want to help them do better next time. I think that advice of like, Especially when it is somebody that you know, you know, if if you have that type of relationship where you can say, what are you doing, (laughs) you know, in the moment. But if you don't and it takes you a while to think about what you're going to say, that delayed check in is is super helpful. Well, let's just say like they were taking pictures of people like in their swimming suits getting into the river. You could also go over to those people and say like, hey, just so you know, there's someone over there with a camera. I mean, there's no right or wrong answer. There's a lot of ways to approach the situation. And you can approach the perpetrator and you can approach, like, the victim. And I'm doing air quotes here. Um, And sometimes you can do both. Basically, you're teaching me right now that, like, you can do something. You can do something. (laughs) You don't have to sit there awkwardly and try to ignore it. You can actually do something. Yeah, and I just think it's important to, like, recognize that, again, like you said, like, we're teaching people these things. Mm -hmm. So, like, when you're calling someone in and you're like, hey, like, this is something I noticed and, like, other people might notice this too and it might seem, like, Mm -hmm. weird or off-putting and, and, like, having that conversation so that maybe they recognize recognize it as well and then, like, giving them information and, and teaching them because, again, like, maybe they don't know. Now, not to, like, go back to Darvo, but because it is, like, such an interesting thing, and I think we've all experienced this, it's a reaction of perpetrators of wrongdoing, um, and they could deny their behavior, they attack, they reverse the victim and the offender. If that happens, and, like, that has happened to me, that has happened to all of us, right? You know, do you have any advice (laughs) once Darvo is happening? Like, what do you do next? I mean, it's tough. I think just knowing, like, okay, I'm gonna, I'm gonna go up to this person. They're probably gonna attack. Hopefully, not physically attack you, but verbally, yeah. verbally, like, yeah, de- defend themselves. Sure. Just being like, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm, like, uh, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm prepared for this. I'm gonna listen to it. I, mm-hmm. I think sometimes too, like, separating the behavior from the person. Hey, I'm not calling you a bad person, but what you're doing didn't feel right. So, like, focusing on the behavior that you noticed. Right. Like, especially if it's a friend or a coworker, you could say, like, hey, I know you're really trying to be helpful, but I noticed that you didn't ask Susie before you grabbed the box from her arms. 
recognizing like their intent. We, we talk a lot about that is intent versus impact. Mm-hmm. And a lot of people, they have well intentions, but the impact comes across poorly. <laughs> you know, the impact they have on another person. Right. And so like saying, hey, I, I, I recognize you in, didn't intend for this to be harassment or mm-hmm. whatever, but that's how it came across to the other person. And maybe that's what's going on when people do react in this way where they deny attack, reverse victim and offender, the DARVO, maybe because they didn't intend right. harm. Right. They're saying, well, I couldn't have possibly done harm. Correct. Because I wasn't intending to do so and they didn't see that, yes, their behavior did cause harm. Right, right. Okay. That's great advice. All right. There are a few more scenarios that we can get to. Tell us one more, Ariel. So you're the chaperone for a camping trip with a local youth group. You notice a couple camping next to you displaying signs of an unhealthy relationship. Um, another situation I have been in. <laughs> right. right. <laughs> Unfortunately, like a lot of these are pretty common. Right. So I'm so happy that we're talking them through. So safety. You want to make sure you and the kids are safe. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, if you are really concerned, like the the uh, unhealthy behaviors you're witnessing between the couple are like so escalated, you might just want to call the police. Obviously, if you're camping, that might not always be something you can do. Mm-hmm. Um, but maybe you document, you know, you, you see their license plate and you write that down and you when you get home you know you say hey I I saw this happening um but the reason I put this one in here is just something to think about especially when it comes to intimate partner and domestic violence is you're witnessing them in like a public setting if like let's just say you called the police unless the the victim wants to leave immediately they're probably going to have to go back to that person to get something or if they live together move out um so when it's when you're watching like harassment or violence between who you would suspect to be in an intimate partner or domestic violence situation you definitely don't want to like aggravate the perpetrator Mm -hmm. um so that direct action i would probably stay away from in this situation i might you know write down Mm -hmm. uh the phone number to see Kaven and like if you happen to see the person who seemed to be like the victim in the situation like using the restroom you could just say like hey it's not my business what's happening over there but I did notice that it was getting really loud Mm -hmm. and you deserve safety and if you need somebody to talk to here's a number in this scenario you're saying like Direct action might not be the best course of action because that could make things worse for the victim later. Potentially, Potentially. Um, I mean, obviously, if there's immediate harm Mm -hmm. that you need to stop, yes, you should call the police. However, by going and calling out the the perpetrator, Mm -hmm. (laughs) you're not really taking the victim out of their space. Mm, Yeah. And so they're probably then going to have to deal with like an escalated aggressor. So this shouldn't stop people from acting, but you should think about like one or two steps down the, the road. So, okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do direct action to this person. Are we in a place where if the situation escalates, is everyone still going to be safe? And after the fact, is the, uh, the victim going to be safe in the long term? Because um, like Ra- Raquel said, like leaving um, an abusive relationship takes a lot of safety planning, takes a lot of time for a lot of people. And so making kind of do 
in that relationship might be just what somebody needs to do. And so like as a friend, especially like if you have, if you have a friend who you're really worried about, um, you can keep offering your support, but you're probably not going to get them to leave. They have to do that on their own. And you definitely don't want to like escalate things. Like they might just need time for it to be a, like a, a good period mm-hmm. to feel safe enough to, to leave. Raquel, do you have anything to add to that piece? No, I, I really think that that was great. And you touched on like a lot of that and just making sure people also are aware like in that portion of somebody leaving an abusive relationship can be the most dangerous time for them. Mm. Um, so like that's something that's really important to remember. They can be high risk. Um, so just like keeping in mind, like Ariel said, like, are you going to help this person by like calling somebody, calling Mm. that perpetrator out or like, can you give them, you know, there's, there's tons of like national services and helplines that you can give people to call and that, you know, great. If you can call CKVN, that's wonderful. But like, if you can't and you, you know, you return home, which is not in this area, there's like tons of places that you can reach out to. You said, you know, that time when a person is deciding to like leave an abusive relationship can be one of the most dangerous. Can you tell us why? So kind of trigger warning for people listening, but when, um, people are leaving an abusive situation, yes, it can be the, um, the most high risk for them to actually being killed by their partner. Um, and there is a something in place that lo- local law enforcement and CKVN uses to kind of define how high risk that person is. Um, and it's called um, the lethality assessment. So law enforcement will use that in a situation to, to identify how high risk that person is and to say like, look, from these questions that we've asked you, we're noticing that you're really high risk and we're concerned for your safety. You mentioned that, you know, there are national hotlines. So if you're in this scenario, if you're out camping, right, and you're out, you know, somewhere that's not Moab, there are resources that you could maybe, if you choose to, you know, delay and check in, you could do that. And just a few of those um, resources, um, Love is Respect. They have a text line. Love is Respect is a great one because texting can be a lot safer for some people, especially like in a domestic violence situation. You know, you can be sitting and watching a movie, smiling at your partner, texting a helpline Mm -hmm. um, versus having to have a phone call. National Domestic Violence Hotline, National Sexual Assault Hotline. In Utah, there's the Utah Domestic Violence Coalition. The Trevor Project serves LGBTQ young folks specifically. And yeah, those are just some that I would recommend. Thank you two so much for being here. This is a really unique opportunity, and I'm so glad that you reached out about putting this training onto the airwaves. This is all information, all part of a training that CKVN does provide. They do it a little bit differently <laughs> when they're not on the radio, but you do you can talk about real scenarios that you encounter in your own life, in your personal life, in your work life, and they'll be able to talk them through. Let's do one more scenario before okay, we go. Great. Um, and before we dive into this last scenario, I just mm-hmm. wanted to mention just like the teeniest bit of like psychology 101. Um, okay, sure. It is the uh, four Fs. And I think most of us have heard at least of some of these, but... Fight, flight, freeze, fawn. Correct. So they're responses to discomfort and danger. Mm-hmm. And if you think of like your mammalian brain so you're kind of like higher functioning brain like when you feel safe that part is functioning when mm-hmm. you feel unsafe your reptilian brain acts and you're not necessarily thinking and fighting would be like you're activated freezing would mean you just 
stop. Um, fleeing would mean you run away. And fawning is sort of this tend and befriend. You might be really giggly and just trying to like stay safe by making the your aggressor like appeasing them. Mm-hmm. And so I think it's just important to know that like we can watch somebody and the way they're responding to discomfort it's it's hard to assume what they're feeling inside because they could be having one of these um, danger alert situations and they could be giggling or or frozen so it's just good to to know that that's what's happening when somebody is in danger and Um, that we all sort of react differently mm -hmm. and that also could depend on the scenario that we're put in also Okay. All right. Give us one more scenario. Okay. You work for a hotel and overhear a customer asking your coworker about their relationship status. The customer then begins to play matchmaker and states how the employee should go on a date with their friend or relative. I mean, you know, it's the service industry again, too. So right. you're kind of uh-huh. in this power dynamic. Your manager might not be there. Right. Um, so a customer is asking your coworker about their relationship status. And then that customer starts saying, oh, you should go on a date with my friend right here. Since you've taken me through all these amazing scenarios, here's what I would try. I would try distracting. I would just come in with a random fact and just get them off that topic. I think distract would be my number one choice in this scenario. I think that's great. Yeah, I kind of thought the same thing. Like maybe I walk up on my phone and I'm like, hey, your husband's on the phone. (laughs) Or your wife is on the phone. Hey, can you go check the bathroom, sir? Uh, this would be an opportunity for a dad joke that's yes, like totally unrelated. Totally. You could also document, like, if they are a guest at the hotel, you could write down their number mm-hmm. or, you know, like, who they are. And I don't know, maybe that information would be useful. Um, delegating a helper, if the manager was on call, you could maybe talk to them. Mm-hmm. Also, delay and check in. Like, you could just wait till the situation is over. Say to your coworker, hey, that looked really uncomfortable. I know this kind of happens a lot at the hotel. Is there some way that you could like signal help next time so that I know that you need me to do something? So maybe it's like uh, drop the pen off the counter and then I know to come over and do something. I'll figure it out and I'm walking over. Um, But again, asking the people what they need because maybe your coworker wasn't particularly bothered by it. So asking how they need help. And and I think code words are actually really great for coworkers because... Mm -hmm especially in the service industry, you're often like passing each other. You're, you're dealing with a variety of customers and you can, you can just say like whatever your code word is. And, and then your coworker knows like, hey, I need your help. So creating that safety among your coworkers. Raquel, did you have anything else to add? I think that's great. I think Ariel nailed it. <laughs> It's hard. It's It's, so hard. It's hard. You know, you're giving us tools, but like in your own lives, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, you work in this field. Is it difficult for you sometimes, you know, to know exactly what to do? Oh, yeah. I mean, I still have situations where I'm like, oh, I should have said something or uh, I could have said more or done more, of course. But I will say like the more you sort of like are aware of of the tools and like a little Mm -hmm. bit of the psychology, I think the easier it is to kind of have some language um, to have those hard conversations. And I think sometimes just having a few one-liners or like Mm -hmm. go-tos, because you're probably feeling a little stressed and like your adrenaline's going before you jump into a situation Mm -hmm. and being like, oh, I'm going to just spill a drink. That's my go-to. I'm going (laughs) to spill a drink. 
think, Ariel, a lot of your preferred scenarios are, like, dropping things or spilling stuff. But distracting is really effective, Mm -hmm. and that's something that I've, I've, you know, gone to, too. Thank you, too, so much for being here, Ariel, Director of Prevention and Education at CK Venn Family Crisis and Resource Center and Raquel McKinless, Director of Client Services at the same organization. This has been so informative. Now, there are a few events coming up for CK Venn this month. Thursday is um, Wear Purple Day for um, Domestic Violence Awareness Month. So just like a sign to show that to show that is like wearing purple. Um, you can also... We have purple ribbons, so if anybody like wants a handful of purple ribbons to give out, mm-hmm. please let us know, or we can drop some off to you. And there's a fundraiser October 26th. Yes, it's Thursday, October 26th, and people can buy tickets online. It's a wine and cheese fundraiser. It's called Believe Survivors, and um, it's at the Spanish Valley Vineyard. We've just been through, I want to say, like 10 at least scenarios. We could do 10, 20, 30 more. If there was something that um, sparked in your mind, dear listener, um, during it, you can reach out to CKVIN. CKVIN, the number? 435-259-2229. And again, I just want to emphasize that a lot of these tools and a lot of the scenarios we were talking about this last hour are part of a training that Sea Haven offers. Ariel, like any information about if any person or organization is interested in this? Yes. Um, so the easiest thing is to either call or email me directly. Um, and my email is A-R-I-E-L at Seekhaven. That's S-E-E-K-H-A-V-E-N dot org and you can just email me and we can talk about uh what if there's issues or if you're just trying to be proactive um and then if you want to come up with scenarios specific to your organization we'll go through those otherwise i can come with things that i feel would be realistic Mm -hmm. and yeah it's it's participatory it's discussion based and i feel like um we've gotten some really positive feedback and it definitely is a lot better than some of those um, sexual harassment videos that you watch. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's much more effective. And like Ariel is saying, you can tailor them to the scenarios that you actually experience, right. um, which can be really powerful. Just talk them through as a, as a team. You know, we, we live in a community with a lot of service industry jobs. They are really high risk for sexual harassment. And so uh, we're here to support our community and make sure that the people that visit our community know, hey, we're going to take a stand and be safe. Thank you so much. Again, you can check out resources of Seacavens at seacaven.org. Stay with us. 